0: webinar um, Today we are going to
1: discuss the very important subject of SROs, important and under-researched. I've been looking through the literature in Pakistan, PID and otherwise, and I find very few papers on SROs, um, as on many other subjects. Our researchers are not really plugged into the reality of Pakistan, and we must try and understand why. So today, we are going to look at the impact of SROs on Pakistan economy. I started hearing of SROs when I was a young researcher starting off at PID. And I've been hearing about it throughout my life. And though I'm young, I'm not that young. So I've been hearing about it for roughly about 40 or 50 years. I think it was in the 80s that the IMF and the World Bank tried to get rid of SROs. I think it was in the programs of at least um, the 90s, 2000s that it was written in the IMF program that SROs would be eliminated. When I was in the planning commission, we talked about eliminating SROs. I got a study done on that. we talked about eliminating SROs. I remember Masood Ahmed was the director of the IMF and we had a discussion in his office too. And it was agreed that the condition of eliminating SROs would be put in the um, program. And it was. But lo and behold, SROs are uh, still with us. So we've got a great panel today and I'd like to explore the subject of SROs and see what we can learn, right? So we got Um, We've got Dr. Mansoor Ahmed, well-known, former ambassador to the WTO, knows the Pakistan tax system better than anybody else. So Dr. Saab, welcome to the webinar. We've got Ikramul Haq Saab, who's recently written a book, he was on a webinar, he's a very prolific writer on tax issues in Pakistan. We've also got the chairperson of the National Tariff Commission, Rubina Athar. Rubina, baby, thank you very much for joining us. I think it's a very welcome thing that we have the Tariff Commission with us. Then we've got uh, Gonzalo. Varela Gonzalo is a, staff, uh, is a um, well-known economist in the World Bank, has done a great analysis on the um, uh, exports in Pakistan. So welcome, Gonzalo. And then we've got Zahiruddin Dindar from Dartways. Okay. Or Darth Viz, very interesting. Okay. So let's begin with Rubina Athar, uh, the chairperson of the National Tariff Commission. Rubina, maybe if you can very briefly, I think best is that if you go with very short, I mean, and what I'm going to suggest, but it's up to you, that we have very short uh, interventions so that we can include everybody and have a bit of a discussion amongst you people. I'm just going to be kind of uh, the a major dome around here, but it's really you people who have to discuss this amongst yourself and educate us on what this is. So, Rubina, can I begin with you by telling us what is an
2: SRO? Okay. Uh, I think uh, everybody has heard the word SRO, but uh, you're right what actually SRO is. Uh, so, as the Ackerman suggest mm-hmm. it's statutory regulatory order. So basically, in government, uh, whatever the regulatory instructions, um, they are in the form of SRO. So SRO is not just confined to taxation; um, it is a, it is for all kind of uh, government regulations. So you find SRO in um, trade policy, in taxes, in health health related regulations. So all kinds of regulations are actually SRO. I think here what we are interested and probably what we are going to discuss today is um, the SROs related to taxation. And more I think interest here uh, would be those SROs uh, which gives concession certain tax concessions or tax holidays or things like that. So I think that's, that's what my understanding uh, from uh, to, for today's discussion is.
1: Okay. So I think- Go ahead, go ahead.
2: Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, SROs uh, generally are of um, two major types, as we said that in terms of uh, regulations. So one are the procedural and in the, in the tax context, the other as where we give some tax concessions. So there are a number of SROs in um, customs where we give tax concessions on import duties, um, on certain other duties and taxes. And then there are uh, concessions or SROs in income tax where there are other types of concessions. Some are uh, import-related duty, taxes, concessions, and other are procedural and and all those uh, those things. Mm. Mm. Uh, So I think what is important here to be discussed is, um, it's a long history, as you said, Mm. and over the time, uh, the nature or the concessions given under these SROs has much changed. And now most of the concessions um, are actually within the laws and those are through different schedules. Mm -hmm. So individual SROs are growing less. I think there is no further um, uh, as as such um, Mm -hmm. in in SROs, concessions through SROs, but rather now all the concessions are through schedules so for instance in customs there is fifth schedule in um in um in sales tax it's sixth schedule and in income tax probably second schedule ikramsa Mm -hmm. so 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 these are now uh now the system is moving away from sros to schedules Mm -hmm. so i think this is one thing uh which need to be to be discussed here so what is the difference between schedules and sros Mm -hmm and one impression which was earlier that fbr has uh, discretion to to issue concessionary sros whatever they whenever they want to so now actually that has been through the mostly through imf and world bank interventions mm-hmm. now been uh, withdrawn from fbr mm-hmm. and now it's uh, it's either the parliament or cabinet which, which grants those concessions. So I think I'll, I'll stop here. <laughs> and um, whenever, yes, there is other need for intervention, I'll just...
1: Sahab, what's your take? What are SROs? And why should we be concerned about them? Manzoor you have to unmute. Unmute.
3: Okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. I um, I agree with Rubina. I think she has explained it very well. But there's one thing I have a slight, uh, what should I say, reservation. You know what what they have done. You know, Nadim, you were saying about that uh, IMF and others have forced production. Mm-hmm. So what they, especially in in you know around 2013, 14. So, yeah, okay, we are reducing SROs. What we do is the same thing. We put under a schedule, the same, exactly the same purpose, everything is the same. Okay, we say we don't have, we have reduced so many SROs and we have completed it, but there's no change, it's exactly the same purpose. We give some concessions to some sectors, to some persons, and the same, uh, sometimes there's a, uh, uh, you know, condition. Okay, you get a certificate from BOI. Or you get a certificate from Ministry of uh, Food Security. You get this concession. So the, the the two things, the schedule is no improvement at all on on the the SRO thing. It's still as opaque and as non-transparent as it was in the past. Mm-hmm. So you can still have. There's a a normal tariff, so somebody looks at normal tariffs, oh, there is a duty of 20 percent, say, on a paper, you know, simple thing like paper, okay, 20 percent. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, some influential lobbies like newspaper, they would never give 20 percent. So there's, uh, okay, you get a certificate from, from this agency that you are publishing newspapers, so you get your newspaper newsprint duty free, zero duty. And then there will be some others who would have a little less, uh, uh, not as much influence as uh, newspapers, like packaging industry. Okay, you know, okay, we don't charge you full duty, so you, you, you give us 15%. And, and then there is, um, you know, like uh, printers of books and, you know, printing industry. And because they don't have a strong lobby, so not only we have the normal tariff of 20%, but through an SRO or through a, a schedule, uh, or whatever it is, there'll be some additional duty, some regulatory duty, some others. So everything, the, there really has not been any reform. We have gone back. I should add, I'm not trying to show off, but in in, in 2000, when I was in FBR, we were, you know, the um, the FBR, uh, IMF, asked us to reduce the number. We had something like 250 uh, SROs and we genuinely reduced about half of them, 120. And uh, one year, the next year we reduced them by another half, 60. And we were hoping that this will go on and over the years, you know, the, the others will be reduced as well, and, and you know, in the next four or five years, will finish. But uh, I think the exercise more or less stopped there, and then every year the number kept adding. So we have now kind of two or three tariffs. One is the normal tariff, custom tariff, we call. One is through these uh, schedules that uh, Rubina has explained, and the, and then we in, in in addition we have those SROs as well. So I stop here unless you have another question and let others.
1: Agree. Gonzalo, Gonzalo, tell me from the World Bank, you advise us, etc. Are you concerned, or is this something that we are overreacting to?
4: So, I, I think uh, the issue with SROs, as as they have been described by the my fellow panelists, uh, right? Thinking about concessions rather than thinking about. SROs that govern the implementation of certain certain rules, right? So if we if we take SROs in that definition of concessions, uh, I think they are uh, overall they are pretty bad for for long term development, uh, and they are bad for long term development for basically I would say three reasons. The first one is that the whole governing system of SROs is a system that, that erodes institutions. So erodes the process of policy making. right? They are highly likely to be affected by a deep capture. And as it was mentioned before, it is more likely that well-established sectors gain uh, concessions through, uh, through SROs than uh, new sectors, right? Uh, the second is that they in general in the way that they are uh, drafted they uh, i've been looking at at, at some examples right but the way they are drafted they are instruments that tend to prevent innovation right uh, because in general uh, the concession comes with a, with a particular condition and the conditions are imposed uh, to preserve the status quo Right? So for example, uh, you may get uh, raw materials uh, at a lower, so if you're a, a textile and a producer, you may get raw materials at, at a lower import duty if you are using them in this proportion. And the proportion, for example, can be determined by the input output coefficient organization. But that is something that is going to uh, Prevent innovation, if, if firms want to innovate and produce differently and have a different mix of inputs, uh, they, 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 they are going to be quicker to change that than the input-output coefficient organization based in, in Karachi, for example. So why is the, the, the IOCO determining uh, those, those ratios up to which you can get that concession, right? Uh, so in general, they prevent innovation, they allocate resources in a way that follows the status quo Uh, rather than than allocating resources in a way that that is productively enhancing. And the third is that they create large fiscal costs, right? Because all these concessions create fiscal costs. So I was doing some back-of-the-envelope calculations on, for example, the difference between what uh, FBR actually collects uh, of import duties and what they should collect if there were no exemptions, right? And for example the, the differences for food and beverages is about five percentage points so the, 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 the in principle importers should pay 29.6 percent of duties but effectively they pay 24.85 right now that, those exemptions go to specific groups. one could say why why not reducing the the tariffs on food and beverages to 24.85 percent? it would be revenue neutral, and give that uh, concession, let's say, to everyone that wants to consume food and beverages. Instead, what the system of SROs that's currently uh, structured, what it's doing is, is creating fiscal costs that tend to benefit some groups at the expense of, of others. So uh, I'll summarize as all you know, institutions prevent innovation and create fiscal costs, I think uh, overall, and of course, everything is, is more complicated than it sounds. So I'm sure that there are there are going to be voices here. They're going to to explain why it's a, it's a good thing to have them. But in principle, I would say uh, the, this, the system could be uh, reformed and, and changed for, for a system of, of industrial policy that is more transparent focusing on on supporting innovation uh, and focusing on more equality in terms of the distribution of of fiscal resources. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so that's great. So basically SROs distort the competitive environment, the production environment and reduce fiscal revenues. So that's three very important charges uh, that I think we should take into account. What would you say to these three charges? Can you defend SROs or will you still say that they should be, or let me put it even differently. We're not even talking about SROs. We're talking about exemptions. Should somebody get exemptions, Akram, up. Is it, does this happen in the world or
0: how should we think about it? Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Pait, and uh, especially Nadeem Olaq and all other, uh, my <clears throat> very, very respectable participants. Uh, this subject uh, has been very close to our heart from the beginning he started as tax administrators. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nadeem, you must uh, have seen that uh, there is a 600-page compilation by us Where we have uh, mentioned historically all the circulars and uh, Sultan Mahmood, a young econometric and now but he has done his doctorate and Marseille University is teaching. He was with Planning Commission of Netherlands and he did for us what was the cost we incurred due to these uh, concessionary SROs and figure was as high as 5,500 billion in five years from 2013 to 2018. Uh, I will take uh, you to three perspectives. One is strictly constitutional, that what constitution of Pakistan says about uh, giving concessions or exemptions through delegation or even Uh, directly by legislators. So this is uh, one aspect which I uh, have seen that never been discussed when we talk about these infamous SROs. So uh, this is a very important subject. And then I will take you to uh, taxation perspective and fiscal uh, impact. And the third one will be overall economic impact of these kind of interventions so if you allow me i will just share uh, my screen and where i have uh, put it in a simple uh, way uh, to share with you so that later on we could have very informed discussion so uh, can i share my um... go ahead go ahead Uh, Okay. Uh, Can you see my uh, slides? Nope. Okay. They will have to perhaps allow me to do that. How to let me uh, see and share my slide? Okay. Is it uh, okay now? Nope. Not still? Okay. It's very strange. I am, though, sharing it here. Yep, now we can. Okay, okay. So, uh, swiftly, I will go to uh, impact from three uh, perspectives, as I have said constitutional, taxation, and economy as a whole. So, my first is that granting exemptions, waiver, reductions in rates, and concessions through SRO never has been debated from perspective of constitution, which is supreme law of the land. It is very uh, strange for me, but I will explain why. Taxation uh, includes also enhancement of rates giving exemption, and they were flagrant uh, violation of constitution. And uh, underlying idea is that blame lies solely with the legislators that have uh, delegated, rather abdicated their constitutional obligation. So quickly, I will go to uh, two articles, Article 77 and 162 of the Constitution. Uh, they bar actually even the parliament not to table any bill in the parliament, and that uh, makes any variation in any rate, because Pakistan, you know, uh, these all taxes are actually uh, divided and distributed according to a fixed formula, which is Article 160. So why I am uh, 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 just uh, uh, emphasizing this, that uh, first principle that has been constitution says that uh, no tax shall be levied by the purpose of federation except by or under the authority of the Act of the Majlis Shura. So delegation should, uh, in any case, is not built in in '77, and it should, says that it is the. But uh, the two words I underlined, by or under, are important because FPR and uh, provincial authorities uh, they are still making SROS because now provincial authorities levying sale tax on services have this kind of uh, delegation that they keep on changing rates they keep on adding new services in second schedule and they keep on doing this without any consent from the provincial uh, assemblies and same is the case with uh, income tax uh, because only minister can give now approval so they have reverted back after uh, fulfilling uh, promise of uh, IMF in 2015 program ended uh, during the dark times. They reverted it back. So this is very important to understand why I am saying this, that you can't do this. This is a very important Article 162 in the Constitution, which nobody has studied so far. Prior sanction of president required to bills affecting taxation in which provinces are interested, no bill or amendment which imposes or varies a tax or duty the whole or part of the net, net proceeds whereof is assigned to any province or which varies the meaning of the expression agriculture income as defined for the purpose of enactments relating to income tax or which affects the principle on which under any of the foregoing provisions of this chapter, money are, or may be distributed to provinces, shall be introduced or moved into the National Assembly, except with the previous sanction of the president. So, you know, this article is there since 1973, but no scholar, no tax expert, no researcher has ever tried to look at it, that it is strictly barring even the parliament, not to produce any bill in the parliament with the prior sanction of President of Pakistan. Why? Because he is the custodian of federation. He has to see that if I change the definition of agriculture in which is in the domain of provinces, then automatically I am encroaching upon their legislative competence. I cannot vary any rate. I cannot make any new tax, new duty, and change their rates. In the presence of Article 162, not a single bill in finance uh, act or finance bill has ever gone first to the president. Since 1973 till 2020, the last finance uh, act, we are seeing this flagrant violation of Constitution of Pakistan so when Parliament itself cannot make any such law which has negative impact at, Gonzalo was telling that's the fiscal cost or there is uh, serious repercussions for distribution of tax amongst provinces. For example, if I exempt a unit in Islamabad, so capital territory or say in Punjab and Balochistan having very less share as far as their population 9% from NFC award, they will be the major sufferers. Ekram so what sa- we are doing,
1: le. Ekram we sa- are ekram m- jaldi
0: kar le. Pras- So, mm. so, so I, I will stop here as far as constitutional perspective is concerned. So even schedules are uh, actually not according to uh, the constitution or sro were in flagrant violation of uh, constitution and supreme court also had a verdict on that that you can only go for rule making and uh, nothing else mm-hmm. so i will stop here but i as a discussion will move i will show further uh, points but this is a, a area which uh, since I thought that nobody discusses. So I must highlight this. Uh, I will end here but I will continue with other two uh, factors. Thank you, really.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. No, I think this is a very important perspective. But um, uh, Dhar would you like to tell us? Mikram has said this is also not keeping with the law. And we've learned that SROs have many negative tax exemptions. Let's move to tax exemptions. Uh, exemptions Yes, sir. Negative impacts. What is your take on this subject?
5: SROs, as everybody has said, were meant to be statutory regulatory orders Mm -hmm. uh, for the rulemaking, for regulations, and for doing things of the regulatory or administrative nature. What we have done here is that we have used SROs for exemptions on one side. And on the other side, when we look at the operation of Section 18 of the Customs Act, we levy regulatory duties and additional customs duties through SROs. Uh, Through FTAs, again, we have resorted to SROs. Uh, The China FTA has an SRO. The PTAs and the FTAs we have implemented through SROs again under Section 19 of the Customs Act. So, what what has happened here? Uh, like Rubina and Dr. Banjoo have said that we have moved from SROs to the fifth schedule or to various schedules and tried to do the same as part of the schedule. You can very well say that we have. Try to hoodwink everybody by putting the same conditions and the same exemptions in the schedule. The general, there used to be a SRO for the general exemption and a conditional exemption SROs. We converted a few, about 10 years back, we converted those SROs into the fifth schedule to the customs act. It's the same thing. Since a lot of things have been said, I'll be very short and crisp here. What has happened over the three last three, four years now, that we are using SROs to raise additional revenues as well. Through regulatory duties and through additional customs duties. It's not only the exemptions. I believe at this point in time, the most impactful thing that the FBR and the federal government has done is imposing of regulatory duties and additional customs duties. That is one thing. The other thing is that whenever there's a conditional exemption for through any SRO, and if you want to avail that exemption, you need a certain level of organizational strength. And there's a cost to, to it the cost, which is the compliance cost. You need to keep records, certain kinds of records. And then there are periodic audits and other things. So it is not open to everybody. The SME sector can hardly avail these SROs because there are conditions attached to it. So we have, through these SROs, which are exemption SROs otherwise, we have created a clear cut bias against the micro, small, and at times even the medium-scale industry. One more thing, and Gonzalez mentioned it. There are raw materials like, say, steel sheet. If steel sheet is being imported by one industry under exemption and there's a commercial rate of duty, which is the MFN rate in the first schedule to the Customs Act? Can anybody do anything with those steel sheets except put it put them through the industry through a manufacturing process? So what we have done is something totally illogical. here. I'll stop
1: here because a lot of tough things have already been said. Okay, thanks. We will we'll get to it. Further, Asan Malik Sahab, we are very lucky to have Asan Malik Sahab from the Pakistan Business Council here. So I would like to invite Asan Malik also to tell us um, his and their viewpoint on this. Asan Malik Sahab, can I invite you to uh, say something? Asan Sahab, we can't hear you. Um, Hello, yes, answer. Yes, I point. Point. Can you hear me now? now? We can hear you now. We can hear you fine. Sorry.
6: Yeah, okay. So, my apologies. Uh, I think, in my mind, uh, the, the instrument of SROs is less important. Uh, what is more important is should concessions be given? And secondly, should there be a mechanism to increase the revenue when the government requires it? or to reduce the tariffs or, or taxes, when it is justifiable uh, for industry or for whoever the SRO is directed to, 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 uh, to help. Um, so I, I think that I know that there is a constitutional uh, position, et cetera. I'm not obviously a constitutional lawyer. I can't yeah. comment on that. Uh, if it is not constitutional, then clearly it should not be used. But the fact that it has been used means that there is some legality behind it. Uh, so, so the argument on whether SROs uh, is the right way to do it or, or not do it, um, in my opinion, probably it is not the right way to do it because the concessions or or or, or modifications in taxes should be made in the actual statute uh, and be approved by the legislature. Um, but given where we are, I think this is a, a methodology that creates the flexibility for the government to assist or to raise uh, uh, its own revenues. Um, so I think on that uh, point, I'll just stop.
1: Okay. Mansoor sahab, can you react to that? I think it's an interesting perspective that the government must have the flexibility for both domestic economy reasons as well as taxation for okay.
3: collecting revenue. We so, have seen, I mean, this Zaidar just explained. Hmm. These SROs are for big guys, hmm. SMEs, which constitute 90% you know, of, of uh, employment, et cetera, they cannot use them. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was giving this example of steel sheets. You only, what would a steel sheet somebody do? Uh, uh, you know, paper or, or anything you take it. So these are meant only for rent seeking, these SROs. And if you look at our, say, look at our industrial complex, okay. 60% of our Pakistan's exports, etc., industry is through textile and clothing. Why? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to convert cotton into yarn, mm-hmm. you have a duty-free import of machinery, you have duty-free import of raw materials, you have energy concessions all through SROs. Mm-hmm. So, And you don't allow that for any other, if you want to make any other value-added product, you want to make some... Some high-tech products or anything that's not available. Second, I give you another example. Now we have this long-standing uh, uh, auto industry. Only three players were so long. I mean, now there's a little change now because there was there is an SRO, which which made it almost impossible for any other industry to come in because we say. When you enter Pakistan, there were many other uh, uh, competitors wanted to enter. You have to use so much percentage—forty percent, fifty percent—local uh, parts, and you know Mercedes. Others were, and India had similar things, but they got rid of it, and the Indian auto industry flourished. I can give you so many examples. So that's my response to uh, to Asan Mardaksham. If,
1: if if sorry if we. Um, I mean, this issue that has has raised, I think, is an important one. Gonzalo, how do you react to this? Should the government have discretionary powers? Sure, we all understand that shocks can happen to the economy. All kinds of things can happen. And when things happen, should the government have the discretion to be able to uh, react to it, as Assange said? Should the government have the ability to react by giving exemption somewhere or alternatively by putting an additional... Because now I think I like this thing that We've got different ways of looking at it: additional revenue as well as additional, um, uh, you know, fill up to the economy. How does the rest of the
4: world give us some global experience too, and us um, in some perspective? So I think I think uh, Malik Sab posed the, the right question, right? I think and I think this is what we're. I think ultimately we are all trying trying to discuss uh, that question: should concessions be given uh, or, or not? And, and my answer, humble answer to that is yes, but I would alter a little bit the question and say, actually, to me, it's not so much if concessions should be given, it's more how should concessions be given, on the basis of what and what is the system underlying that. And so I if if you look across the across the world, you're going to see that. I, I'm tempted to say all governments in, in the world provide some sort of support in one form or the other to the private sector. Now, the question is what countries that have done well in growing their private sector and ensuring more productivity and ensuring more innovation, what is it that they have done? And I think there are, there are three principles uh, that, that, that are important in the way concessions uh, should be given that the way in which SROs are structured in Pakistan or in general, the way industrial policy is done in Pakistan, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be aligned with that international good practice. And I would say three things on, on this, how to, should we think about our uh, concessions? And the way uh, I, I see it is first of all, focus those concessions on new things, not on existing things. So for example, if things have been if, if there is a particular sector exporting a particular product that is highly successful, then let that sector go. But there may be many other things that could be done in the economy, but are not because the new sectors don't have the lowing power that is necessary to get that, those, those uh, forms of support. So target those new activities instead of targeting existing activities. The second is, Ensure that the concessions have a, a built-in sunset clause. So don't protect forever. And this is what something we learned with, with the South Korea experience in terms of, of, of supporting the, the, the private sector. Clear sunset clauses that are inbuilt and that are non-negotiable. So we are not prone to uh, rent seeking when it, when the, the moment of, you know, with the expiry date comes, uh, comes uh, in time. And the third is basically establish a system of of benchmarking success. So also price, good performance. So if we have a system in which the private sector is supported, if they do new things, which can be more exports, it could be new exports. If they perform well, and this system of performance is clearly determined, and that this protection has sunset clauses, I think we we will be getting closer so, what good international practices are?
1: I'll stop here. So great. So mm-hmm. basically, what you're saying is, okay, this is a tool, as Hassan Malik Sahab says. Yes, it can be used, should be used, but the principles should be clearly enunciated and should not be discretionary. And that's very important. And the three principles that you gave, I, I like those. New sunset clause benchmarking, very good. Agreed. So, Rubina Bibi, you are with the National Tariff Commission. Now, surely you have. As the chairman of the National Tariff Commission, you have a lot of authority and people listen to you. So tell me, what role does the National Tariff Commission play in sort of taking the principle that Gonzalo takes, says into account? How do you police the tariff system, at least in terms of its arrows? Uh,
2: thank you. Thank you, Nadeem. Uh, I think I was just going to say, uh, so why uh, we see this uh, a rampant system of uh, SROs, mm. concessions on the one hand and additional duties on the other hand. Uh, so, so there is a conflicting policy r- right now going on. Mm. On the one hand, we are giving concessions. On the other hand, we are putting extra taxes on it. Mm. I think the one reason behind this is uh, that our import tariff rates are very high. Mm. Uh, so since the rates are high, there is always need to give some concessions to, to some of the sectors mm-hmm. and and the revenue uh, need of the government always, you know, like pushes FBR to, to increase additional taxes, like uh, what he was saying, uh, additional custom duties and regulatory duties. So there is there should be some balance some some balance in these concessions and additional duties and this can be done only if we gradually reduce the tariff overall tariff and i think this is where uh, what we are doing right now under the the new national tariff policy Mm -hmm. Um, so what we are doing is that we are trying to gradually reduce the tariff so that whatever concession which is available to any one sector or any one particular industry um, is generalized and it is available to to others also. So what we are uh, right now doing is, and Gonzalo is also with us in that exercise, that we are trying to reduce the fifth schedule. So so I think everybody knows about the fifth schedule. We just said that most of the concessions, most of the concessions under the SROs um, are now transferred to fifth schedule. So what we are trying to do right now is to reduce the fifth schedule and bring whatever concessions are in the fifth schedule to first schedule. So then those concessions would not be for, for any one particular sector, but it would be for everyone by reducing the tariff rate, not giving any concession through SRO or anything, it would be generally reducing the tariff rate. So that's how we are dealing with this. It's a, it's a very lengthy process because the complications that the FBR has made over the last many years, they cannot be undone in, in so quickly. So we are doing it gradually. Um, so um, that's our plan is to want to reduce the overall tariff rate, average tariff. And secondly, reduce those, those concessions, which are either in SROs, or in fifth schedule. So, so since I'm dealing only with the customs, so I'm talking about only the fifth schedule. So this is something uh, we are planning to do.
1: But madam, uh, Rubina, let me ask you a simple question. Um, I remember that around about 2007, seven eight, our tariff mm-hmm. system had become clean and we had uh, reduced our tariffs to a reasonably low rate, not very low rate, but reasonably low rate. And we had yeah. three slabs or three lines and, uh, then came a fiscal crisis of 2008, and we slapped yeah. regulatory regulatory duties. In fact, I was there uh, when it was done, and I objected. I said, "Look, this is crazy. Why can't we?" go? But anyways, I lost. That's clear. Then came the additional uh, custom duties after yes, the regulatory yes. duties. So the point, and then the the, the uh, we'd also reduced SROs to a very low. Then proliferated so the question is unless we take strong credible steps we will reduce them now and the first sign of trouble we will increase them so, am increase. i right or am i right or uh sorry
2: sorry i didn't get your question, so my so,
1: question is that we did reduce them in 2008 yes we did get down to a reasonably neat situation not the best but reasonably neat yeah. situation and then they multiplied over time. Am I right on that? If I'm right on that, how will you prevent it from happening in the future? Because what happens is we we do clean up the system, then it messes up again.
2: Yeah, no, 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 you're absolutely right. If you look at the history I was just looking at, it was exactly in 2007, eight, that there was again rise in SROs and then gradually to fifth scheduling. So these famous 565, 567, 675 SROs, they came in uh, 2007-08. Now, why they came? Because we were were in the process of gradually reducing the overall tariff rate. At that point, suddenly FBR decided to raise back the back the tariff but when they started or thought about raising the tariff so obviously there came the need that certain sectors or certain industries need lower tariff so that's where these famous 565 for industrial raw materials and machinery and then the auto sector 569 or something those famous SROs came at that point the reason the only reason was was that FBR needed more revenue. Mm-hmm. So they raised the overall tariff rate and gave these little concessions to those sectors. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said earlier, so now what we are doing is, as I, so we are gradually reducing. I think the big step that government has taken in the last two years was shifting tariff from FBR to Ministry of Commerce. And that's where there is now pressure on fbr to raise revenue through administrative you know like measures mm-hmm. rather than raising the tax rate okay. so they they cannot so so they have no uh, i mean I, I won't say that they have no say no. they have their say but still no. uh, they are not the authority to determine the tariff mm-hmm. the tariff yeah. is now determined in ministry of commerce mm-hmm. so all As I said, these proposals, they are prepared in uh, National Tariff Commission. We do all the research and all that. And we then present it to the Tariff Policy Board uh, where there is participation from all the relevant ministries, industries, BOI, FBR, commerce. And then that's where it is decided now. So that's the basic difference, I think. And that's where the some hope is that we would be able to get rid of all these Concessions and all these distortions gradually.
1: Zahir Saab, you you seem to know the Pakistan tax system well. Uh, Nikram Saab, both of you can comment on this. Who does the research for tax policy? How are tax policy proposals prepared? I mean, it seems to me that many budgets come in, but there's no real research. I mean, who does the research? Is there any research wing of the Ministry of.? Oh, I, I, uh,
5: well. I have been working in FPR for quite some time. Uh, till, till the year 2000 I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens is that every year FBR receives a plethora of proposals from everywhere. And the time available to do to look into those things, to those proposals. And what is in those proposals is we get proposals from, say, the Federation, from chambers, from associations, from individual companies, from Pakistan Business Council, from everywhere. And hardly any research is done in FBR at that time. And now Ravina is handling it in the National Tariff Commission. And I hope some research is being done now. The concessions and the protections both are primarily a product of lobbying. Whosoever lobbies more, whosoever has the political clout would bulldoze his way through and have his proposal done. And I can give you scores of examples on it. For the last 20 years, I'm not working with the government. I resigned from my job in the year 2000 and became a free man. But my own experience of when I was working with the government was that it was the every concession was the product of lobbying. No proper research was done. No policy was made the way a policy should be made. Even I can take names, I can give you names of the companies, and I believe it's would be unwise if I start t- taking names here, but mostly, Our Dr. Manzoor mentioned auto industry. The kind of lobbying they do. We all know it. Now, what, what has happened in the field is that on one side, they have a higher rate of duty, a, a rate of beauty higher than anything else in Pakistan. And on the other side, they have concessions. Under SR 655, they can import their raw materials on zero rate of duty. They can import their CKDs in case of new entrants and in case of electric vehicles, the rates are even lower. It has created a total disconnect between their cost of production on one side and the market price on the other side. So instead of Gaining profits, they are profiteering. The exemption and the rate of duty have to be seen together. So that there's a connection between the cost of production and the market price. One more thing here. The National Tariff Commission used to work the effective rate of protection. NTC was not previously working on the nominal protection rates, the so-called cascading of tariffs. The effective protection rate, I don't think it has been calculated over the last 20 years for any item whatsoever.
2: No, 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 we are still doing it.
5: We are are still still doing doing it. it. In how many cases? In how many cases?
2: Most of the cases.
5: No. The cases which come to you. Of course. But in the general tariff. In the general tariff, what is happening here? Like, because we are using these SROs on one side for raising revenues and on the other side for giving exemptions, we give, I'll give you a concrete example. In the pre engineered steel buildings, if it is imported as part of the plant and machinery, the rate is 0%. But if somebody is manufacturing those pre engineered steel buildings in Pakistan, the customs duty and the additional duty and the regulatory duty, all three are imposed on their raw materials, and the cumulative effect is 20% plus. Mm-hmm. It's a, it becomes a case of reverse cascade. Mm-hmm. If somebody is paying 20% on raw materials mm-hmm. and the end product is being imported by somebody else, mm-hmm. like silos are imported under fifth schedule mm-hmm. at 0%, mm-hmm. the farm buildings. The greenhouse buildings are imported at zero percent. But if somebody wants to manufacture those, we have levied additional customs duties and RDs on the raw materials. So, if we look at the operation on both sides
4: mm.
5: on one side for raising revenues, and the other side for giving concessions mm. we are killing our industry practically.
1: Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. There is no balance here. Vikram, mm. sir, can you give us an idea on how much? What the cost to the economy is? I keep hearing that exemptions or tax expenditures. First of all, can you also explain what are tax expenditures? How are they different from what we are talking about? And we have also estimated what are, is the cost of tax expenditures. Can you give us some idea of what the estimates are, very quickly?
0: Yes, ask the, the, add...
1: the same question. Hmm.
0: They have been uh, calculating this and economic survey carries uh, one chapter, which is uh, tax expenditure. Mm-hmm. Last two years, uh, we have seen that accumulatively, this government provided uh, like 2.3 trillion mm-hmm. of tax expenditure. Mm-hmm. So you can see that it is such a large number when you compare mm-hmm. with the revenue collection and with this... Uh, Uh, kind of uh, tax expenditure, they said we could have made ML-1 and ML-2 uh, without taking uh, loans from Chinese or anybody else. My point here is that all the discussion that we do is we are snatching the power where it should lie. Why the standing committees don't prepare finance bills. As in the rest of the world, they are eyes and ears of the elected parliament. Here, why these, uh, whether it's Tariff Commission or it's FPR, why they receive uh, these kind of proposals from industry? Are they legislatures? Are they supposed to make legislative uh, changes? Not at all. Therefore, I started from the constitution. You are always talking about symptoms. Everybody is talking about symptoms. And cost is very high. I have uh, uh, um, documented it in the book, and you have seen that per year, cost was not less than 500 billion. So, 20 uh, years, if we multiply, we did not need any money from IMF or World Bank then. Had we uh, low rate of taxes and not giving these kind of uh, exemptions and concession concessions. But question here is not this question here is that now forget uh, what happened before decade of democracy. from 2008 to 2021 we are talking there is no uh, intervention from the institution we keep on accusing. Now if the political parties in these uh, 12 years have failed to discuss this issue on the floor of the parliament and as I showed the constitution forbids them, why I think these, you are a collection agency FBR, your role is not in policy and in legislation. Why you receive and you on your website ask send us your proposals? Mm -hmm. What happens in UK for example from where you have borrowed this uh, uh, democracy, this uh, Parliamentary. They have House committees. House committees prepare policy and legislation. They take input from all, from experts and everybody. There is always even live telly cause to see what kind of uh, national interest they have to see in their economic uh, uh, policy making. Here it is, we always say it is a lead capture. It is also institutional capture why FPR or national uh, tariff commission is taking the role of legislators. that is my main objection unless we go back to the roots no if it is if, if they are no if they are giving exemption to a, an, an industry there should be a debate for a reasonable period of time i tell you what they do in india india they have just presented their bill in the very first month of january Although their year starts from 1st April. So four months, there is public debate, there is debate within the parliament, there is input from all, and then they go for uh, these kinds. There is no concept of SRO in India. Even rulemaking power there is subject to constitutional approval within 90 days. So if you choose a wrong way and then you keep on complaining that this symptom, why don't you go and you uproot the root cause? So unless it goes back to the legislatures, nothing will happen because people will keep on influencing, as the Herodin saab said, people will keep on influencing the executive. Executive has no role to make legislation. Fair they are collecting agencies and that's all. Uh, but I will show you uh, uh, a little later when so, this debate should shift from here to the root of the problem.
1: Fair enough. I agree. I agree. We've been trying to get Parliament to take an interest in things, but Parliament is not interested, so we can't do much about it. Gonzalo, let me come to you before I go to the floor. Um, this figure of tax expenditures, what is the cost of tax expenditures in the economy or the cost of the SROs or the exemptions, whichever way you'd like to put it, I uh, mean, I'd also like to point out the World Bank has done TARP uh, for $150 million in the past. You've got another big program, $400 million that you're doing. So, I mean, in a sense, does World Bank take any ownership of this mess?
4: Well, let me first say that I I am a, a humble senior economist in the World Bank, first of all. But let me say that Actually, so if we
1: your management, we hold them responsible for this mess.
4: If if we're going to quantify the costs of, if we're going to quantify the the costs of uh, this messy system of concessions or exemptions, uh, the, the, the 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 even the intention actually shows. Uh, shows the problem. Why? Because there is very little data available to have uh, a credible estimate of the, of the cost of these exemptions. And, and the fact that there is little data out there to evaluate that, and, I, and this goes to your point when you open the seminar, that is there's little research. And the reason there's little research is because there's little publicly available data, transparent data. And that goes to the, to the fact that, that these SROs are opaque in in nature right but i wanted to point I, I wanted to point to one cost that this brings because you know you can see and, and i i've been hearing the different panelists and I, I i learned a lot and it's true that you know sros means decreases in revenues but in some cases they also mean increases in revenues right like the acd many acd increases or are the increases come in the form of SROS. Now. Some are benefits for the private sector. Some are increases in revenues for 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 the central government. But there is a cost that is sort of a deadweight loss that has to do with increased cost of doing business, even for those that that are eligible for the for for the for the concession, right? And let me you one example and this also goes to what uh, madame rovina was mentioning before about the field schedule and the need to simplify the field schedule so if if you own a cinema right you need to have this automatic regulating instruments for your projectors yeah this is hs code 9032 8990. i don't think anyone not owning a cinema will want to import such a regulator, right? No one, there's no purpose, right? Now, this is in the fifth schedule. So if you you comply with the conditions, you will get a reduction in the duty the duties are relatively small, but you will get a reduction in the duty. Now, to comply with this condition, you need the Ministry of Information, Culture, and Broadcasting to certify you, and you need to be within the input output coefficient organization quota, right? So, of course, this is, this is the cost. This is the efficiency loss, because the rest is transfers from one to another one, right? And, and there are equity considerations and that's an important issue, but this is a pure efficiency cost. So my, I, I'm a foreigner and as a foreigner, I, I, I ask you, uh, non-foreigners is, why what, what would be the benefit of empowering these institutions to provide these certifications that come at a cost for the private sector and to make the, the, the policy-making process so complicated? Wouldn't a trust-based system be better? And that is that is combined with audits, random audits. And you see if someone, so if someone is bringing these apparatus for illegal purposes, it gets fine. But who is going to bring these apparatus for illegal purposes, right? So the, 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 the crucial element here around the exemptions is how complicated the system became and how, Certain institutions gain power that normally they wouldn't have anyway, and 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 they absorb resources, right? Apart from increasing the cost of doing business, they also absorb resources. So, what would be the risk of moving to a to a more you know trust based system, audits, uh, and 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 you know doing away with certain. Public institutions that are just there, sort of to put sand in the wheel of the of the private sector. I think I think that's where the 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 most uh, immediate cost to be eliminated seems to be. This is just an opinion. Mm
1: -hmm. Fair
3: enough. Fair enough. No, very good. But Uh, can uh, I say something here? GDP go ahead. Yeah, I mean FBR, I think publishes every year, and last year they published that the cost of expenditure is about. 1150 billion, that's about 30% of our total revenue. Yeah. But the more important thing is what Gonzalo was just saying, is the efficiency cost plus the opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. You know, you look a few years ago, for mm-hmm. example, they have compared Turkey and Pakistan, and they had similar textile and, 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 and protection of uh, automobile industry and this, but then they moved on because they wanted to join the EU and they had to get rid of these uh, SROs and concessions or, or protection. And now you look at it, their 150 billion fax is mostly machinery and other things. On the other hand, because of these SROs, we are struck, we are struck with the same textile 60% and the same auto protection and the same everything. So the other important thing, in addition to what the cost is, it is the the opportunity cost. That's a heavy charge, very heavy charge. My favorite Manzoor sahab and correct me if I'm
1: wrong, this used to happen uh, a while ago. I hope it's still not happening. You remember, I was very fond of construction in buildings. And I investigated why there are no tower cranes in Pakistan, because I find it very odd. Even today, I find it very odd. There are no tower cranes in Pakistan. But then I discovered this some 10 years ago, that tower cranes could not be imported. except by builders. Now, when I see in uh, in the rest of the world, tower cranes company that owns tower cranes is different from the construction company because nobody wants to carry that capital cost on their balance sheets. So they rent tower cranes. But the rental market is banned in Pakistan, virtually, I mean, in a sense, not disallowed because... You can't import a tower crane for renting it out. You can only import it if you're a builder. Hope it's changed. But there are so many other things like this that that also exist there, that you 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 almost rule out a market like the silos were talked about. You almost rule out a market. Can I import silos and rent them out to people to do this, or can I, has my business got to be agriculture before I uh, buy silos? So I don't know. Is that, does these, do these things still exist? Well,
3: Okay, Rubina wants to say something. Yeah, they, they, they still exist, but there's a slight difference that you know you. Sorry? Go ahead. Okay, there's the a slight difference that. Okay, there's so much you. Uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll stop here. No, no, you go ahead. I mean, somebody else is speaking no. on the Go ahead. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they still exist, but what happens is like like a crane, you import it. And there's so much duty, so you you use it for three years, so they charge you so much duty. But, well, uh, oh, uh, Nadeem, you know someone, his father purchased a, uh, a you know a, a crane was disused, and he wanted to export it, and they would not allow it. You know they <laughs> they said you have to pay a duty on, on this disused thing. So there's all sorts of uh, cranes is very very uh, complex even now. Okay, I stop here.
5: Uh, Dr. Nadeem, you need to unmute
1: yourself. Sorry. Uzma. Uzma has organized the webinar. Uzma is um, a lead on this. Uzma, go ahead.
2: <coughs> as alaikum okay. I think very useful discussion is going on. Uh, I have two questions here. The first one is that how we need to see SROs in fifth schedule. Will these SROs be further reduced? or uh, how they are different from those which are um, not placed in fifth schedule? Because there are a few, uh, a few which are not placed in fifth schedule. So what is the difference uh, among uh, all those? And the second question is that the more we see SROs in a um, seeking perspective, if we look at the reality uh, which is happening in our country, uh, is there any significant possibility of positive negotiations behind these SROs? Uh, uh, does it happen or not?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do we have Ibrahim? Ibrahim Kusumbi. Ibrahim Kusumbi.
7: Karachi Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Ji, go ahead. Can you hear me?
1: We can hear you very well. Go ahead.
7: Okay. Uh, I, I very much endorse the views of uh, Zahiruddin Saab uh, and uh, Mr. Anzur and Nadimulak. Mulaq. Hmm. Uh, our experience being the Chamber of Commerce, Karachi Chamber of Commerce, and the Karachi uh, contributing a lion's share of taxes, we have first an experience of uh, these SROs. And I, I would say that the SROs have, uh, the culture has created oligarchs and monopolies to an extent, and they, over a period of time, they've become so powerful that all SMEs, the greatest damage has been done to SMEs who are on the fringe. And um, uh, it is a kind of a, a, a shackle that is, is unbreakable because once again, every year we can we, uh, uh, submit our budget proposals and visit Islamabad or uh, have a meetings. We see uh, those powerful lobbies uh, uh, you know, trying to have their way. And uh, continuing those concessions, I'll give the example of uh, time. Uh, has, uh, I think uh, since 2011 and now, I would say we have lost no less than uh, three to four thousand billion rupees in, in that concession alone because there was no differentiation between actual exports and the domestic sales. Uh, we did not have a borderline on that. So, whatever uh, wrong.
4: Oops, we're losing.
7: You. Uh, Haru, uh, were utilized for domestic sales, and uh, we could not collect this, this total of about two thousand billion rupees worth of textiles produced in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. out of that, we exported about six hundred to seven hundred billion, and rest of it was sold in Pakistan itself. But the collection of tax was about six billion, mm-hmm. which is which is really nothing. The the greatest damage, I would say, the the and, and uh, at any cost now we should get out of this. And as uh, Madimulak Sab also suggested. Uh, these policy decisions should be made by elected representatives and the parliamentary committees, not the FPR. Uh, secondly, the, the other, other other problem I see with the SROs is that soon after the budget, what we see is, is a stream of SROs coming out, uh, amending the previous SROs and uh, ma- amending the rules. It, it makes the tax system and tax regime so complex that even people like me who understand a little bit of taxation cannot really uh, uh, track the, uh, keep track of those uh, changes in the am- and amendments in the laws And we are it is very difficult to make business decisions based on those uh, uh, this kind of complex tax regime so we need two things reforms uh, its simplification of taxation system entire tax regime and uh, phasing out of the sro culture i'm glad that the, yes part of this responsibility or policy making has been moved to the ministry of commerce but unfortunately there are two, I, I I would be blunt to say that even the one or two, a couple of ministers within the cabinet itself are, are trying to support certain lobbies and vested interests. So it's really a, a kind of a hopeless situation. I see the same uh, situation uh, happening again in this coming budget. And uh, uh, this is the time that, uh, that some uh, decisive um, action should be taken to bring an end to this SRO this culture. Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Mohamed Khurram, sir? Mohamed Khurram? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead.
7: under normal conditions, we can discuss about the SROs mm-hmm. and its fiscal Introduce costs.
1: A little bit. Can you just tell us who
7: you are, please? Yes, yeah, yeah, sir. So I am uh, basically a PhD student from Namal Islamabad okay. and um, and, yeah. and yes, and I was just like saying that under normal conditions, we can discuss about SROs and its fiscal costs like tes- tax concessions. But, but what about the extraordinary co- circumstances? Such as in the current pandemic, like, don't you think that it's like necessary to have the tax concessions for um, some of the businesses who are facing laws during this pandemic especially? Fair enough, fair enough. Thank you.
1: Dr. Uh, can you respond to it? I'll, I'll come back to you. i uh, Dr. Muhammad sir, are you there? Uh thank you,
5: sir. Uh, I have very simple two questions. One, uh, putting all the SROs in the form of schedules, uh, doesn't it amplify the problem? Because if we say that the SROs pertain to the rent-seeking behavior, it is going to be there now, for sure, for a quite long period. Second question is that uh, the tax expenditure report which the FPR publishes, I believe that it's a severely underestimated effort because once the SR is given, especially in the domestic sector, how much actual transaction happens once the taxes has been lowered or any benefit has been granted, actually is not taken into account. So maybe the uh, the fiscal figures which the give in the form of uh, uh, lost taxes is much more even in terms of their own competition.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Good question. Okay. That's Go ahead. Why don't you start responding to these questions and give us your thoughts?
8: That's May I also register
1: my question? <laughs> yeah, please. please. I try to get hold of you. Go ahead.
8: Well, thank you very much, first of all, uh, let, for letting me know about the seminar and uh, especially grateful to Dr. Kramulha who sent me the message. Uh, my experience uh, of four years as a tax ombudsman, uh, honestly, uh, I'm of the view that uh, this uh, SRO culture has Destroyed whatever governance we could have got in the FBR. Uh, I I saw that uh, SROs were used to override the legislation in some cases, to supersede the legislation, and in some cases even to replace the law. So I don't think uh, uh, you know you can allow this. Uh, and uh, I, I understand uh, the, the last question was about uh, emergencies like uh, this uh, COVID and I, I think whatever emergency, you know, the letter has to go before the parliament and let the parliament decide whether they want to do or not. But uh, this uh, SRO culture is mainly to uh, satisfy different lobbies. And uh, those lobbies have, uh, over time, you know, led to uh, so many distortions in the working of uh, FBR and in the working of our uh, government uh, that, the uh, you whole know, uh, you know governance uh, structures in this country have been totally destroyed. I would say, and. Uh, fbr is one of the most critical uh, institutions of the state because if you cannot uh, collect taxes uh, you can't do much about uh, you know whether uh, any developmental activity or welfare activity or whatever so we, i think uh, uh, we we uh, need to be very seriously considering to to stop uh, whatever is going on uh, and uh, Yes, I I dealt with some cases where even the rules, you know, uh, had uh, superseded the law. And uh, and there was total impunity. Uh, Nobody would be uh, bothered within the FBR that uh, they should uh, sort of uh, avoid to do things which are uh, not legal. Uh, There is hardly any distinction on, uh, uh, honestly uh between what the law says, uh, people even don't care uh, what the Constitution says. So uh, if, uh, for example, uh, the Constitution clearly says that on uh, uh, financial matters, the stay would be uh, maximum uh, for uh, six months, uh, the stay would be continuing for five years, ten years,
7: you
8: know. And uh, I, I had to face a lot of difficulty hands of uh, the topmost liars in this country, you know, who all ganged up and told me that uh, uh, I can't touch this matter. And, uh, I still went ahead and uh, finally, you know, we were able to uh, make some dent. Uh, but the, the uh, real problem is that uh, in the beginning, uh, the, the questions which were uh, raised by uh, Dr. Ndeeem Lakh. I think uh, I am I, on his side, and uh, we 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 should
5: get rid of this nonsense. Thank you. Thank
1: you, thank you, Nizam
5: Haji Sir. <clears throat> uh sir. Uh, I hope all the economists will back me up, but I'm going to say. say. Hello. Revenue collection is a product of two functions. Uh, One is the economic activity and the other is the tax rate. If you alter tax rates in a manner that it kills economic activity, there will be no revenue collection. And for doing that, we need to have a very delicate balance. We need to invest into economic activity a lot. What we have been doing over the last now, over the last 40 years, I have been looking at budget exercises every year. Mm-hmm. That was part of my job.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: At times, we have been trying to kill economic activity in Pakistan by fiddling with tariffs. Or we have what we have been trying to do is to put a state jacket onto the economic activity. Favor one and disfavor 20. This is what we have been doing. So, the tariff rates and the tax rates have to be adjusted in a manner that they generate economic activity. And unfortunately, we have been doing other way around. And these SROs at times have been killing economic activity in Pakistan. And in the name of more revenues, we have been increasing our tariffs and tax rates. May it be sales tax, may it be excise duty, may it be custom duty. Or even the income tax, when we look at the income tax exemptions, the way they are there. Again, it has a clear cut bias in favor of a certain class of businesses and industry. This is what I needed to say. Yes, we are are into into a pandemic. We are into a economic crisis. And The only way we get out of this economic crisis is by generating economic activity, not by killing the economic activity by raising taxes. Thank you, sir.
1: Fair point, very good, very good. Second, yeah. let Nisam Haji it? come in, then I'll come back to you, madam. Haji sahab. Haji
9: sahab can bhai, you hear me? Can you, can you hear me? We can hear you, Boli. Uh, this is Nazim Haji from Karachi. I'm an industrialist. Okay. One of the panelists rightly mentioned that uh, the SMEs have suffered a lot because of these uh, concessions and uh, exemptions that have been given to the large-scale industry because they cannot get benefit of it. Basically, what is, what ha- what's happened in the past, and I can give you examples, that the commercial importer actually feeds the SMEs because of the economy of scale, which they're required to import consignments. And this is where I felt that we've been crying horse the government for the last 50 years when I was the chairman of the site association, that we need a level playing field. Hmm. Therefore, and I would like to address the National Tariff Commission. Yes, you need to give concessions. You need to give uh, incentives to new industries that come in for a limited period, and but in a competitive environment. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Rubina Bibi.
1: over to you.
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think uh whatever is said here i think the only way what i could say here is the only way to get rid of these sros and the schedules is to reduce the overall tariff rate uh, like what Zahir was saying uh if the purpose the purpose of tariff is not to raise revenues if you look at the world around uh, customs tariff or the import stage tariffs uh, contributes only 1 or 2% of your total revenue collection. Whereas right now in Pakistan, the import stage tariffs are 47% of your total revenue. So the need there is to mobilize more revenue uh, through domestic taxes, like income tax and sales tax. Mm -hmm. And lessen our reliance on customs duty. So the, the moment we reduce the overall tariff rate, these concessions or additional duties will go away. So I think that's the only way. And that's I think what the tariff policy is trying to do now. Um, let me just answer one of the two questions uh, the participants here raised. Like Uzma said, what's the difference between SRO and fifth schedule? So practically, there is no difference. Mm-hmm. So many of the SROs earlier are now merged into fifth schedule. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I, I think it's, it's famous, Dr. Manzu's one example is the, we were talking about the conditions in the fifth schedule. So one is the, one is the dentist chair or dentist chair ke condition ye hai ke it, it is by it is it is used by the dentist. So what, what what does that mean? Who else can use that dentist? chair? So I think, so um, what we are now doing right now is maybe once this uh, analysis is completed, we will share it with, uh, with you um, on the fifth schedule. So we have identified something like out of 1500 tariff lines, 500 tariff lines um, where there is absolutely no need to keep it in first schedule. Mm-hmm. So so the effective rate is almost the same as in first schedule. And okay. in some cases, there are no conditions. Mm-hmm. So we are proposing in this budget to transfer at least these five 600 tariff lines to the first schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we are planning to do is then we will look at all these conditions mm-hmm. and one by one see these, you know, like these frivolous conditions. How can we... Um, get get rid of these conditions and transfer the tariff lines to the first schedule. Uh, then we are going to do uh, look at all these SROs and see where you know, like these for for industrial raw materials, especially. Um, how can we lower the rate and transfer them to the first schedule? So effective rate is one. I think Zaheer was some some point earlier saying, um, if we look at the effective, the actual collection. If suppose the MFN rate is twenty percent, but the actual collection is at the rate of five percent because we have given so many concessions, so why not put mm. the rate five percent? Mm. The revenue would not be effective. You are already collecting the revenue at the five percent. Okay. So this is what we are doing now. So hopefully, in um, in a year or so, we would sure. be able to do to do this. And one, I think, question came here, and Zahir was saying that. Proposals used to come like in the last month or two months, and we we couldn't do any analysis. Now, under the tariff policy, now we start receiving uh, proposals in the month of July. So we've been analyzing those proposals since July. Sure. So we, so it's not only in the last two months that we do. Okay. You're still laughing. <laughs> I can... <laughs> I, I can
1: have no questions to ask, but I'll, I'll keep them to myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's right. No, I think uh, uh, everybody. This is such a issue that nobody can trust that. Uh, but I, I completely understand. I don't that. see why
1: you need proposals from people who have a vested interest. I mean, I no, sat. But with these are these are these I, are proposals from.
2: From the industry so i think but, I mean, uh, we have to just interest. look at what what is the possible way that people can approach you so we have a simple question that i ask everybody yeah
1: what is the possible way that universities people like us can approach you you get proposals from the rent seekers you don't get proposals from your own academics no we do when how we've never no, been no, no, of no.
2: the plus send us the proposals you never say you never send yeah, any proposals,
1: but you never even you. invite us to the table
2: no, we do. I've
1: been I've been sitting in this table on these tables, madam. I used to say this all the time at, at the risk of great unpopularity. Why do we only invite once I sent a peon down and I said, count the cars, right? And check the cars. He came back, they're all BMW's Mercedes. I said, Why have you only got BMW Mercedes here? Why don't we have people coming on bicycles? But we don't, unfortunately. So, anyways, let me leave it at that. Let's go to Hamayo Mazar. Hamayo Mazar Sab, but I, yeah, Hamayo Mazar Saab, I think if I'm right, hear, please introduce yourself and say something.
10: Amayu Mazar.
1: Sir, Amayu Sab has, am has left. He's here.
10: He's here. He's here. Go ahead. Uh, dekhe, the problem is, main problem is, aapki koi bhi long-term... Bata
1: de, is, a, is a tech investor. I, Hello,
10: I, I work for the Crescent Group. Crescent Group. I uh, <laughs> into textile, sugar, then steel, and other businesses. <clears throat> I think your comment about rent seekers, Rotsab, uh, is very correct. Uh, the issue here is short-term thinking. So, aapki koi bhi policy... And you that are coming a vested interest given. So I'm I'm just gonna I mean textile is a subject I'm very familiar with. in Pakistan may uh, nee, keep
1: it in English. We got here, so keep it in English.
10: <coughs> okay. So uh the, the major export uh is, is textiles. Uh, the value added part in that is very nominal and it will not increase uh, till we do what Bangladesh has done. And if you're looking at something which will boost the economy in the immediate near future, that's something, I mean, you have to give all concessions possible to value-added sector and nothing else.
1: Okay. okay. Amayu, can you please also comment on the tech sector since you are an investor in that area? How, do, how does this affect you guys? How does our tax policy and these things affect you guys? The SRO culture, the exemptions and the ADCs, etc.
10: Luckily, so far, we are blessed that we are not on the radar, so there is not uh, much. But the recent package, uh, the incentive package with the government has given for angel investment and venture capital investment, okay. ka june, sand, the new sandbox, I okay. think that's very promising. So, uh, so far, so good on the tech sector.
1: Okay, great, great. Okay, Ikram, sabh, go ahead. Ikram, sir. Up there or did disappear? Yes. Uh,
0: uh, Nadeem, uh, the three issues I uh, from these questions are generalized. One is mm-hmm. that in 216, we proposed a simple tax model mm-hmm. that if you lower the rates of your duties as well as income tax and sale tax, mm-hmm. and you grow and you allow people to grow and then you will have more taxes, and people here are posing as if no such model has ever been prepared or research has been made. So Prime uh, did that study, you know, and in 2020 we have an enlarged and second edition of that. Uh, We have uh, tackled all these questions and uh, you know, NOPAID has also published a book where we have taken historic and critical review of the tax reforms in Pakistan. So having said that, my, I now try to be very specific. Uh, Dr. shab uh, has practically seen what happened and I also started with the things that when we don't follow what is the constitutionality in any country, then all kinds of captures here and there they start. I'm not saying you, you are a critic of uh, legislators, they are not coming, but uh, Pied must uh, uh, ask me that one day I shall ask all the standing committee, joint senate and uh, national assembly who are revenue and finance that they should participate in a manner that they should tell us. They don't even uh, in a position to read these laws and understand them. Very few people in Pakistan can even understand the kind of complex and we make in each finance bill so many changes in those laws that one loses track of. If you go to the FPR website, you will see that their own laws are not uh, updated because so many SROs and then one SRO is amended 100 times by an, another SRO. One is rescinding there and what is altering alterating This kind of system cannot work. What I'm saying is that first of all, you will have to simplify and you will have to move your paradigm. There should be paradigm shift from taxes to growth. When growth is there, when you are supporting your SMEs, you are supporting your uh, industrial base, you are supporting your every sector. I will say every sector of Pakistan is important, but what important from the standpoint of growth. Taxes are byproduct of that, but if you have simplified and if you have system where we can very easily collect taxes, you, you cannot even fill your income tax return at your own. It is 20 page nonsensical thing, asking you how many ornaments your uh, wife or your spouse has and where is it kept, what is the weightage. So this kind of nonsensical procedural things Mm -hmm. and then compliance cost is so high. So growth cannot take place in this position. All other things that we have been discussing, we all know. But what the solutions are, solutions are there. You have provided two studies, PIDE has done two studies. And uh, in, we have a one day full uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, seminar on that, doing taxes better. Then you have another study investment and, and we have contributed five books and we have contributed about 2,500 uh, pages, but neither these uh, businessmen nor people sitting in institutions mm-hmm. are ready to read, go for research and apply their mind. If we will keep on going like this, We will always have these kind of uh, webinars, we have seminars, we have symposiums, but but problem will remain there. Mm -hmm. So let us shift, Uh, there should be a paradigm shift and paradigm shift I have already enlisted and I will request that next time, let us call them that they should come and they should tell us that why they are not interested in legislation at all and why then these when you when you create a vacuum then all kind of uh, vested interest will come in why they they don't come in germany why they don't come in france why they come in in many even i can tell you asian countries i have near i have been studying almost every country's text and i have been working with ibf distance 1984. And I haven't seen this kind of uh, uh, practices, malpractices rather, which we have in Pakistan. Even near home, uh, if you take Bangladesh and India, there is no concept of SRO, everything is in the law. If you want to create exemption, create exemption. If you want to levitate, these are all political questions and they have to be decided by the politicians and through standing committees. And we should help them. We should get them their search. We should invite them. We should engage them in our dialogue. Otherwise, we will keep on, uh, I mean, uh, wasting time here and there because I have been, you know, since 1984, writing on taxation, and worked as, so as a tax administrator, and now also as a tax practitioner, so I have four caps to produce, that I have produced research, I have worked as a tax administrator, I have also worked as a tax uh, representative now of many industries, big industries, and I also have uh, research, I have my interest in research. So, uh, the solution, we should now go for uh, 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 solution-based webinars where after problems, its second follow-up should be uh, what viable solutions we can offer. Fair point,
1: Fair point. That's
0: where I believe.
1: accept your frustration, I totally accept your frustration. Uh, We all feel the same way. Unfortunately, we've got a country that doesn't think, doesn't want to think. So yes. uh, over to you, Mandur, sir. Mandur sir, please tell us your last words, thoughts, comments, yeah. but most yeah. important of all, what I feel, uh, my, my understanding comes frustration, what I feel is that research and thought has no room in our policy at all. I've been in the Ministry of Commerce, I've been in the Planning Commission, honestly, we have no interface with, with the research or academia. We um, uh, mainly think that, um, you know, vested interests can come to us with proposals and I, I was amazed when I sat in those meetings uh, at the discussion that was taking place. Um, so uh, Manzoor Sab, how do we fix our policy process? I mean, our policy process, uh, Kram Sahib is right that parliament should do it, but parliament also needs research. I mean, I see here in the US, for example, um, the 1.9 trillion bill, somebody raised the issue of pandemic Yes, they're passing a 1.9 trillion bill, but they're passing the bill. And a lot of research has gone into it. Lots of people are commenting on it. The debate is taking place between Yellen and Larry Summers. I mean, you know, they are all academics. That's the way things go here. Unfortunately, in Pakistan, the debate takes place between the lobbies. So how do we fix our policy process? How do we get this right? Uh,
3: Thank you very much. I come to your point in a minute. Just, Just two other points. You know, all the discussion this evening mm-hmm. almost everyone, whether it was businessmen, whether it was academics, maybe Pakistan business, considered little reservation, but otherwise, everyone, including our ombudsman, mm-hmm. you know, they were all that these SROs are a disaster and we need to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. My second point is that since this uh, tariff policy board was set up, <clears throat> they're making good progress, they have. Uh, since I worked with them for, for you know, one year with, you know, on, on that board. And they have good people who are doing their research, who have data and everything. They're making good progress. The only problem there is that so long the industries are getting their raw materials at low rates, they're very happy but you cannot touch any of them. I mean, you cannot touch auto industry, you cannot steel industry, paper industry, any one of them. They say, no, don't touch us, but you can, do, you can reduce our, you can give us benefit, but don't touch us. Uh, someone raised about this question about pandemic. You see, I think at the time, World Bank did a study. They said, these are the things that are used for COVID, and these are two countries which have the highest tariffs, and Rubina said it again and again. Otherwise, we wouldn't need that as sorrow because other countries, they never have these tariffs on you know, essential medicines and others, because they're already very expensive, so they come at zero. But we are the only country, we were, I think we, and maybe, maybe Brazil or some other country, but we had the highest. Tariff. And then what do we do? We say we reduce it for three months, then another three months, you know, you have to. Uh, this is a, an opportunity. Get rid of them, so. And and um, uh, uh, finally, your 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 question about uh, the policy process. Well, I mean, uh, first these things should be away from those who are who who have a vested interest, like FBR. You know, their vested interest is raising more revenue. They don't see any other impact, just raising revenue. And so we have to get rid of that, like. Like they have done for custom tariff, with with gone to uh, Rubina's uh, department. But I hope that continues because in the past it yeah. was just one or two years, then it gets back. But but I hope that this, this continues. But but you were right that uh, uh, you know I've been FPR etc. and and academics. Uh, Rubina, although she denied it, but I'd, I've never seen any proposals from any academics about anything. You know they. Maybe some some uh, university said, "Why don't you allow us to import this uh, 3D printers for our uh, research, et cetera. and things like that?" One specific thing, and even even that was not done. So, uh, uh, yes, we need. Uh, and the other thing is uh, the oh, you're giving example of U.S. and things. Every senator or every chairman, he has a a, a, a very um, what should I say, qualified research guy, they're doing everything, all but the not research. Not many.
1: Not one, many.
3: Everyone. I think almost everyone.
1: have not one staff member. They have a whole staff. They've got five no, or six. No, no.
3: They're, they're, they're allowed, I think, two or three. There's a certain certain amount. They say you can have four or five or two or three. Depends. But you, and, and that's the same with the EU. That's the other thing. Unfortunately, even if we have them here, they would only use them for their telephone connections or you know <laughs> driving etc so that, that is a, i think maybe we have hundreds of people there their spare staff but that's not used for research and they are not taken for research and that would be a, a very good point to make here for this that they every one of them should have this thing so that our our uh, these uh, young graduates mm-hmm. find jobs there I mean, we have, you know, 500 or 600 uh, I MNAs mean, et cetera. And if they get, everyone gets two people. So that would be a lot of jobs for our students. Thank you. That's, that's enough for me. But Gonzalo,
1: coming back to you, answer these questions and tell us what you think. And, but quite frankly, Gonzalo, you have the biggest seat at the table. So the World Bank should tell us, they've been guiding policy for the last 30 years. How come, under the watch of the World Bank and the IMF, uh, this mess has been created? Program after program, World Bank TARP after TARP, and we have this huge mess of a tax system. Which, you know, we've got the best minds in the country. Nobody could explain this mess, and this mess sort of bubbles its way through our history of economic mess. So, Gonzalo, can you please tell us?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you tend to overestimate the, the role that we play. Or that we can play. Um, ultimately, the, the I know at the, the
1: policy table for three years, so I know very well where the proposals come from. I know what happens. I know Ilango used oh. to deal with the prime minister directly. I know the other guy, the guy before Ilango used to directly deal directly with the prime minister. I mean, you know, getting access also means carrying responsibility, and I'm afraid that the World Bank remains silent and dark, doesn't carry responsibility, just has access.
4: So, on the area on the area of trade policy, uh, we have been doing uh, a lot of outreach, uh, and we have been doing a lot of uh, you know sharing proposals, discussing international good practices. Uh, this is and and also uh, supporting the the build up of capacity. Uh, if if anything you were mentioning before uh, the need of, of research for policymaking, I, I cannot agree more with that. And I think, uh, Madame Rubina's leadership in National Tariff Commission is a very good example of how things can be uh, done, uh, looking you know looking into evidence and and bringing evidence into. Uh, into policy making. I think that, that is a, an example to follow in many other uh, in many other institutions. Uh, but again, uh, the, uh, our role is to, to provide recommendations and to support uh, policy changes that we believe uh, are, uh, are possible. So for example, uh, we are in full support of the simplification of the schedule. Uh, we are supportive or process of tariff rationalization that uh, brings down tariffs on on raw materials and intermediates for everyone, not just through SRO for specific sectors, but for everyone, but also at the same time, gradually reduces uh, tariffs on final goods. Uh, And at the same time, I would say, and, and with this I will conclude, uh, i think ultimately this question of SROs is a question as esan Malik said very very rightly so it, this is a question of whether concessions should be should be given and that brings the the, the biggest quad the bigger question of industrial policy and how industrial policy uh, should be done in, in pakistan and i think here and i will stop with this i will rate with anyway, I say beginning industrial policy uh, is not about is not a yes or no it's about the how and the how mm-hmm. more and more i believe if Pakistan should move into a way of supporting activities that are new, supporting activities that are new against performance indicators, against performance targets. So benchmarks of criteria for success and failure and building in sunset clauses into support. And institutionalize that as much as possible, make it a rule rather than a discretional uh, approach and continue supporting, but under those uh, premises. I think that would be a positive move away from the system of SROs uh, that, is, that is currently in place and in favor of a more dynamic system that would boost innovation. Oh.
1: Thank you, thank you. Okay, Rubina, maybe let me just give you the last word um uh, rubina maybe and uh, maybe that's have anybody else wants to say anything please come in but rubina maybe let me ask you a simple question i mean i'm very happy to see that you are um, now getting research based more proactive and you have the authority to do things um so can you please i mean we are very happy to collaborate with you and i would urge through us we can bring the whole university sector how can we cooperate with you how can we get our recommendations to you how can we get our analysis to you because PIDE does a lot of work on this. And in fact, the input-output tables and the um, effective protection work was all done at PIDE. And in fact, I think it's still the gold standard. I don't think anybody does it more than us. So how can we engage with you, A, and B, Rubina, maybe I have another question. Uh, what's happening at, in cell phones now? Can you explain that to us? I mean, we've got new SROs and cell phones have become very expensive and Humayun Mazur is here. Doesn't that affect your industry at all? Uh, when uh, cell phones are becoming, uh, very expensive and at the same time we've got an, uh, somebody who's now got a uh, license to manufacture cell phones at home. So are we going the, the car route or is it uh, some other experiment? Can you please explain this to us? Uh,
2: thank you, uh, Dr. I think cell phone probably I don't have a much idea because that's uh, something which is going on in the Ministry of Industries and everybody could understand why it is going on. They put an SRO. Why, why it has not come to, to tariff policy and why it is sitting there. Um, so sorry, I, I, I won't be having any comment on that. Uh, but in terms of collaboration, I think it's definitely there is a need for it. Uh, right now, uh, we are trying to build a, a research team in National Tariff Commission, but honestly speaking, there are very few people. We definitely need to collaborate with the academia and research organizations like you um, uh, to get into the details of what the tariff policy should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you specifically asked how we can do it. I think we can organize uh, seminars with you. We can have a discussion with you where we can uh, d- um, I think I will be like I would be very much interested in this study that you are doing on this SROs. Since I said we are looking at the fifth schedule, or we're trying to to gradually reduce it. So Mm -hmm. this would be a a very, uh, I think, informative input for that exercise uh, for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at the same time, I completely agree with what Ikram haq is saying, that the national assemblies or the standing committees should also play a role in it it's unfortunately they are not um, competent enough right now to to analyze these things or to and of course there are huge vested interests again sitting in those standing committees um, but there should be some process uh, to engage them and some process uh, to make it make this whole system more transparent so i think this is uh, where I would conclude my, my, my point of view. Well,
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much. I think it's been a great webinar. We've learned a lot. Um, anybody else wants to say anything? Now is the time to say, Darshab, do you want to say anything? Or anybody else? If Sab? anybody? Because otherwise, if not, then I'll just simply say, thank you very much. It's been a wonderful webinar. I do hope that someday we'll come to this simple tax policy that everybody wants. Shrebsarul Saavik, Ram Saab, everybody wants a simplified tax policy. Unfortunately, I don't think we have the wherewithal to do our own research. So somehow it doesn't happen. And then every donor comes around with a new report, there are about 10,000 reports on tax policy. None of them have been peer-reviewed, none of them being understood. So, and every FPR agent is carrying around his own proposals. I've been at budget making sessions where proposals came in from the dark, and they were all the same proposal: tax cell phone tax, SMSs, tax this, tax that. I used to joke with them that you know you will tax every newborn baby without thinking but any case that's where we are. Um, How we'll come out of this mess is a billion dollar question. I don't think we'll come out of it very easily. Um, It takes a long time for countries to wake up and uh, I hope we will someday. Thank you very much folks. We'll inshallah call on you again and again because we really need to learn from you. I think this is the only way knowledge happens and this is the only way a debate happens and it's only debates that lead to change you can't you can't force change in any way thank you folks all the best khuda hafiz
4: thank you